You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Welcome to the Cult Movie Cantina. Woo! This is the podcast that look at some of your favorite cult films, adds of alcoholic beverage. Yeah, that's me. Introduces someone who's not seen them. Definitely me. And then we talk about it. This week we looked at the 1982 sci-fi classic, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yay! Yay! Mm. I'm your host, your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty, and I'm joined by, as always... Your facilitator of fun and lady of libations, Stephanie... Justina, your jellical jester. She who knows, knows no, no movies. movies. Admiral. Admiral. <laughs> I don't know about that. Much I, like Kirk. I, <laughs> Much no, like Kirk. Which is one of the only takeaways I took from that movie. <laughs> I think I think um I think it's appropriate for this episode that she's allowed to be. If she wants to be an admiral, that's fine. I feel like she can especially be a, the fact that I connected it with Kirk. There you go. Okay, thank you. Because that was a, a thing. Admiral. <laughs> admiral Justina. <laughs> Cool. Admiral Justina didn't check on our progress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have so much to talk about. We have a guest. I know we do. I'm so excited for our guest. Our guest is what I would consider uh, a local celebrity. Absolutely. In certain zip codes. A, I, a mobile legend. A, a mobile legend, in, definitely. Again, only in certain zip codes. Uh, I can drive a very short distance and be non-legendary. From the um, internet famous... Um, Uncle Henry show. It's the one and only Uncle Henry. Thank you for having me here. One of my favorite movies of all time. I'm will be surprised discussed. by that because you don't seem to me as a Star Trek fan. I know you're a fan of certain things. I know you like Ronald Reagan and uh, the Alabama football team. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Roll. Look, how can you look as a as a male from a certain era? How can you not like Kirk? That's true. Kirk's amazing. I mean... <laughs> no, I, again, uh, this has to do with generational things, Justina. Oh, it definitely fr- does. Uh, generational and, and and all of that. So, Kirk, uh, Kirk, how do you not like Kirk? Well, we'll get into this. Yeah, right? we'll, get, yeah. we'll get into that. Uh, b- um, before we get started, though, uh, as of this recording yesterday, we heard some tragic news that we just want to just reflect on. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, my goodness. Uh, who... Um, played uh, Black Panther and Jackie Robinson and Thurgood Marshall and just an amazing young actor, uh, passed away suddenly yesterday of colon cancer at the age of 43. And so just wanted uh, to mention that and uh, very, very tragic. Yeah, very sad. Um, From what I understand, he had been battling the colon cancer while he was filming um, Black Panther and the Avengers movies, which is amazing that he was able Mm -hmm. to do all the things he needed to do physically to make those movies and be in the amount of pain that he was in. And then the treatments and the whole... Right. Just a, a, an amazing, amazing young actor. Someone someone that we just... I just turned 43, so it's a little... <laughs> and you were just in the hospital with, with issues yeah. and just kind of, you know, hit close to home. Absolutely. And so uh, I just thought it would be appropriate for us to, to start the show and talk about that for just a second. But let's get into... The movie itself. So the film we saw was Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan from 1982. We're going to watch the trailer now.
Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant. Exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, he has survived. I'll chase him round the moons of Nibia and round the Antares maelstrom and round Perdition's flames before I give him up. There she is. There she is. Collapsing, Captain. Can you evade their power? A few shots, sir. Not enough against their shields. The base is stubborn. Scotty, I need warp speed in three minutes or we're all dead. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, marooned for all eternity, buried alive, buried alive. Sean! Sean! At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Opens at a theater near you, June 4th. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, 1982, directed by Nicholas Meyer, written by Harv Bennett, uh, Jack B. Sword. Uh, screenplay was by uh, uh, Sword, um, but Nicholas Meyer and a few other hands were into it. This film was made on a bunch of different drafts, and when Nicholas Meyer, when he got brought in on the project, uh, he looked at all the drafts and picked and chose what he liked, and then added some stuff on his own. Uh, Meyer was famously known as not a Star Trek fan. Um, they picked him uh, as a director because he was, you know, he's a writer first. He was a huge Sherlock Holmes fan, so he's written some Sherlock Holmes novels. He directed some Sherlock Holmes films, and they brought him in for his directing and writing style and thought that he could write the ship. And I think that's true. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get deeper into the the film. It stars William Shatner as James T. Kirk, Leonard Nimoy as Spock. Finally, a movie with Spock in it. <laughs> There you yeah. go. Yeah, eyebrows. <laughs> uh, DeForest Kelly as uh, Dr. Leonard McCoy. Uh, my namesake, James Doohan, as Scotty. Uh, Walter Koenig as uh, Chekhov. George Takai as Sulu. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, Nichelle Nichols as Ahura. Uh, uh, B.B. Besich as um, Carol Marcus. Merritt uh, Buttrick as David Marcus. The late, great Paul Winfield as Captain Tyrell. Uh, Kirstie Alley in her first major motion picture role as Savick. And then you cannot forget Ricardo Matavan. Oh, he's amazing. As Khan. Khan. So you ready to start the sermon? Preach on, brother. Brothers and sisters, gather round. Admiral James T. Kirk oversees a simulator session of Captain Spock's trainees. In the simulation, Lieutenant Savick commands the starship USS Enterprise on a rescue mission to uh, to the neutral zone to save the crew of the damaged ship Kobayashi Maru, but is attacked by Klingon cruisers and critically damaged. The simulation is a no-win scenario designed to test the characters of Starfleet officers, um, which kills the crew. 
sort of. They're just play acting. Yay. <laughs> uh, later, Dr. McCoy joins Kirk on his birthday, um, giving him gifts of Romulan ale and glasses. Um, because he cannot... Reading glasses. Reading glasses because he can't use their sci-fi magic to make, it, make his eyes work. He's, he's allergic he's a, to whatever <laughs> the retinics, sci-fi... Uh, retinics, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Um, uh, Sing Kirk is low in spirits. He doctor advises Kirk to get his command back and not grow old behind his desk. Meanwhile, the mm-hmm. starship Reliant is on a mission to search for a lifeless planet to test the Genesis device, a technology designed to reorganize dead matter into a habitable world. Reliant officers Commander Powerful Chekhov and Captain Clark uh, Terrell beam down to evaluate a planet they believe to be SETI Alpha Six. Once there, they're captured by the genetically engineered tyrant Khan. Noonan Singh, um, 15 years prior, Kirk exiled Khan and his fellow supermen to Seti Alpha 5 after they attempted to take over the, his ship. After they were marooned, Seti Alpha 6 exploded, devastating the surface of Seti Alpha 5, blah, 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 following the deaths of several people, including his wife. For, some, uh, for those reasons, Khan plans revenge. He implants Chekhov and Terrell with um, indigenous eel larvae. Yay. <laughs> That that bothered me watching that as a when I was young, and it even bothered me still watching it as an it's adult. It's kind of gross. Um, then uh, rendering them susceptible to mind control, uh, and re, uh, uses them to capture the Reliant. Learning of the Genesis device, Khan attacks Space Station Regular One, where the device is being developed by Kirk's former lover, Doctor Carol Marcus, and her son David. Kirk assumes command of the Enterprise after the ship. Um, after, uh, after the ship, deployed on a training cruise, receives a distress call from Regular One. En route, the Enterprise is ambushed and crippled by the Reliant. Khan offers to spare Kirk's crew if they relinquish all materials related to, the Genesis, to Genesis. Kirk install, instead stalls for time and remotely lowers the Reliant's shields, enabling a counterattack. Khan is forced to retreat and, uh, and effect repairs. While Enterprise, lim- limits to, uh, while Enterprise limps to Regular One, Kirk, McCoy, and Savick beam to the station and find uh, Terrell and Chekhov alive, along with the slaughtered members of Marcus's team. They soon find Carol and Davis, David hiding Gen- Genesis deep inside the nearby planetoid of Regula. Uh, Khan, having used uh, Terrell and Chekhov as spies, orders them to kill Kirk. Uh, Terrell resists uh, the eel's influence and kills himself, while Chekhov collapses and the eel leaves his body. Uh, Kirk destroys him. Khan transports Genesis and the Reliant, intended uh, to maroon Kirk on the lifeless planetoid, but is tricked by Kirk and Spock's coded arrangements to for rendezvous. Kirk directs the Enterprise into a nearby, the nearby Mutapa Nebula. Conditions inside the Nebula render shields useless, compromising target systems, making Enterprise and Reliant evenly matched. Spock notes that Khan's tactics indicate an experience in three-dimensional combat, which Kirk exploits, exploits to disable Reliant. Mortally wounded, Khan activates Genesis, which will reorganize all the matter in the nebula, including Enterprise. Though Kirk crew detects the activation and attempts to move out of the range, the, they will not be able to escape the nebula without the, shi- without the ship's inoperable warp drive. Spock goes to resolve the warp drive in the engine room which is flooded with radiation. When McCoy tries to prevent Spock's entry, Spock incapacitates him with a Vulcan nerve pinch and performs a mind meld, telling him to remember. Spock repairs the warp drive and Enterprise escapes the explosion, which forms a brand new planet. Before dying of radiation poison, Spock urges Kirk not to grieve, as his decision to sacrifice himself to save the ship's crew was a logical one. 
Uh, a space barrel is held and Spock's coffin is shot into orbit around the new planet. The crew leaves to pick up uh, Reliance Maroon crew from Celti Alpha 5. Spock's coffin is shown having soft landed on the surface of the Genesis planet. Credits. Yay. So there's a lot to unpack here. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot. I feel like that was just such a... that. There's so much missed in that synopsis. Well, it's just a yeah. just a synopsis, you know. We don't want to we, we want to save it all for the discussion. That's true. So I, I want to start with um, uh, Justina. <laughs> Please don't. Because oh god, this morning we got a text from her. Our, our, we have a little private message where we all talk, and and um, she said, and pretty sure I said this is the worst. I'm pretty sure. I think I think you said boring is more. Oh no, I said boring, but I think I started with this is the worst. <laughs> I think you did. Let me see. I've got it. Oh, right, right here, right here. They're looking. It's gonna be. This yeah. is the worst. That it was says, my first message. Oh yeah. This, this movie. These movies are the worst. Okay, there it is. As in it was Star all Trek of the movies. Star Trek movies have been the worst so far. My bad. I'm yeah. the these too. movies are the worst. And it's just yes. so boring. It's. <sighs> so let's. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I learned a lot from your synopsis. Like, I didn't know there was, like, a connection between the Doctor and Kirk. Like, there's so many... Okay. <laughs> I know there was action, but the music was more action-filled than the action? Like, it was like, oh, no, we have to go. And then they walk leisurely and, like, tell me about this. Let's talk over here in the bridge. Let's have a conversation. And then the music was like... And then they would get hit, and you would just see people jump. <laughs> like there would be an explosion and the actors would just jump to the side. I was like, I can't right now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't help that I don't know the I don't know the, the people. So I you can tell that there's like the doctor and Kirk at the very beginning are like, well they know each other. They've got to be friends. But I don't know them. And William Shatner does not look like the William Shatner I know from things from when he's older. So the whole time was me going, is that you? <laughs> Every time he heard, I was like, I guess it is. But he does look very different, younger than he does. Older, yes. Uh, some people, just, well, as, as we tell. all do. But I mean, some, you know, some people you can tell. But w- with William Shatner, I seriously, the whole time was like, that's, that's Kirk, right? The one with the glasses on, re- reading right there. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't look like him. I know him from Psych, the TV show that I enjoy a lot. When they bring him in for an episode on that, a couple episodes. So I know him from a different context. <laughs> So that's her way of saying she's never seen the show or anything. No, no, no. She has, no. She does, correction. She knows nothing about I have seen an episode of the movie episode. You you saw a movie, but with a different, completely so, different. So, this is what they do to me. See, this this is, is what they do to me. One of our hobbies is we just find, especially with these Star Trek films, um, the, the only other Star Trek film she saw was First Contact. So she has a whole other different context. Which is, you know, the next generation so we just, cast. So we just like to. Pick her up, and, and I hadn't seen anything fin, before that. <laughs> to be clear, okay. so we get done, right. and I was like, I, I genuinely don't know the story that just happened. They're like, well, you have to know the people. You guys picked a movie in the middle <laughs> of a series. <laughs> May I speak? Of course, please, please, do. Right, please look, do. Justina, God bless her, because the movie was made for people like me <laughs> that had watched the original series. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my standpoint of a Star Trek fan was I was around when it was actually on broadcast television, the original series, and then there was no other Star Trek, and we all that enjoyed it watched the reruns over and over and over again until they started coming out with the movies. And so the movie was huge fan service for people like me. 
So you not being a fan and not being familiar with that series, it, it didn't offer you much of anything other than uh, beautiful music there in the background. It did have beautiful music. But for me, as a fan, it served all of my needs as a fan. I, it for As a fan of the original series, to me, that was peak original Star Trek. It may be peak Star Trek of all time. Certainly the best Kirk performance you'll ever get. Uh, the best Kirk story you're ever going to get. Absolutely. The best Kirk hairpiece you're ever going to get. His <laughs> yes. hairpiece, and as someone that, that is very aware of hairpieces, his hairpiece outstanding. You don't usually, you, you only focus on it a few times when you're viewing the movie. Uh, and the back and forth between William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban, never to me, never gets old, Justina. I can watch these two old men going back and forth with the, the needing, wanting revenge and vengeance and just the back and forth. Uh, so much fun. Uh, the, and a, probably the best Star Trek battles in space. Uh, I can't think of another one that had the same impact. It just, f- for, as a fan of the original series, top to bottom, it is it is peak Trek. And it also lays the ground for future stuff. Uh, so many things referenced in the future that stuck with the uh, the entire franchise, like the Kobayashi Maru. Absolutely. So do you think that this movie um, may not have held that same level if you don't know the story of the characters? I realize that someone uh, unfamiliar with it and not of that generation would not nearly enjoy it as much as somebody that would. I thought about that a lot when I was watching it. I thought, would somebody unfamiliar with Trek like this as a movie? I'll tell you, I have a, a female relative uh, that's older than me, an aunt, and she went and saw us with us back in the original. She was unfamiliar with Star Trek, and her comment was that she liked the uniforms. Oh, my goodness. That was her only comment, I, that she liked the I, uniforms. I was surprised by the uniforms because everybody was wearing red. And I felt like those were the people that died. I thought that was orange. And that was red coats. No, that was like clearly orange that they were wearing. No, oh, okay. You're saying you thought they wore orange. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It was I like just a remember going, orange. why are they all wearing red? Are they going to die? And there's a simulation at the very beginning. They all die. And I was like, well, credits. <laughs> we knocked this movie out fast. And then they got up. And I was like, just kidding. My <laughs> husband told me that when he first saw the movie, he was... Um, Young, a kid, basically, mm-hmm. you know, because he saw it in the theaters when it when it first came out. And he said that, of course, he grew up watching the original series. And he said that opening the, the opening scene when they were doing the simulation, of course, you don't realize it's a simulation. Mm-hmm. And that he said that he was devastated, like when you see Spock die and all, you know, all this die, like right there at the beginning of the movie, he was like, what's going on? No, I was just devastated. So I have some, you know, I was going to say this for the trivia, but since we're, we're talking about something we should address. So, um, Leonard Nimoy, who plays Spock. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for, for that audience there. I was famously done with the role. He'd wrote a book that says, I'm, you know, I'm not Spock. And he wanted to progress on from that role. I mean, it was the, the role that made him, but he was trying to go and do, to do other things. Bless his heart, he could never do um, it. He um, agreed to do the first Star Trek motion picture film. Um, the paycheck for him was really good, and he needed it at the time. That's from his later book. But he agreed that this would be his only one, uh, and, and if he wanted to do any other ones, he'd, he would have to die. He, he didn't want to do any more. So they talked him into doing two, promised him a death. So Gene Roddenberry's assistant 
went to a convention in um, London, over in England, and mentioned that, oh, yeah, we're working on a new Star Trek film where Spock dies. Now, this is pre-internet, so it took a little while for the information to go you know, around to travel. to travel, but it finally did. And so, you know, back then there were all these, um, you know, instead of message boards and chat rooms and things that then we have, it's uh, they had fan fan magazines, fanzines, and all these fanzines that you know you would pay pay people to to send you these you know magazines mm-hmm. they had created. All they talked about was the death of Spot. Oh my God, they're killing Spot, and and Paramount got just tons of hate letters and all this other stuff and death threats and all kinds of craziness, and so that affected the script. Originally. The whole Kobayashi Maru thing is not in there in the, in, the, in the early drafts at all. And so because they wanted to do – everyone knew the secret. Everyone, how, do we, how do we make the secret stick? So we'll kill Spock off in the beginning. He gets up. Oh, that's how he died. Everything is good. Without, and so no one is aware that at the end of the movie that he actually dies. Yeah. And so um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's the and that's it's so interesting that they that they uh, wrote that Kobayashi Maru for that purpose. And it turned out to be such great defining characterization of Kirk mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that they reference it still today. Love it. Right. Kirk, Kirk is the only person to ever have beat the Kobayashi Maru. Well, OK. It's Kobe a training exercise that every officer has to take. It's like a test, uh-huh. and it's a no-win situation. I mean, and that's can, what happened in the beginning. That's the, the beginning, beginning. right? Okay. And yes. It's supposed to be a no-win situation, and it tests the character. Like you go in knowing you you can't win it, so how do you play this out? What do you do? do the you, best choices you, you make you, in a right. situation you can't win. Right, right. and right. your choices are to really to leave but, leave the people or go into the neutral zone to go rescue them. Right. So either you leave the crew, the the one ship to die, or you get your own crew killed. In, so. in the... Um, but but Kirk beat it. In, in the books, which are not non-canon, there's a whole book called Kobayashi Maru. And what you find out is that Kobayashi Maru is just... It, that's just one test. They're all called the Kobayashi Room, but they test different officers doing different things. So Scotty's version of the, the Kobayashi Maru went all around engineering stuff. But it was still a no-win situation with engineering, dealing with a Kobayashi with a Kobayashi Maru, and so everyone takes the test. But depending on what you do, it's the whatever ha- your job, job is is, is mm-hmm. what the test is reflects. On. But of course, that's non-canon. But that's I just thought that was fun. <laughs> so, that is pretty cool. What I this movie has changed for me over the years. Um, I I saw this in the theaters. I was very young and I loved it. And um, you know. You know, being a Star Wars fan, and that's how I got my way into Star Trek. Star Trek was prior to in my arrival to this planet <laughs> before I was born. And uh, so I liked, as a kid, I liked spaceships and lasers and things like that. And so I remember seeing the trailers. I was you know, four and a half, five years old when this came out. And um, we saw it. saw it in Baymanet uh, when Baymanet still had theaters. <laughs> wow. Yep, we had two. Baymanet had More two theaters one. at one time. God bless Baymanet. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. I'm sure it was when it came out. I don't. I just don't remember the aspects of where and and with who. But I do remember growing up. You talked about watching um, the t- original TV show, the reruns. That would my dad and I watched those religiously together. That I mean, I grew up watching those shows, and and, and to this day. The original series still comes on reruns, and I'll like, you know, flip channels and stop and watch it. I just love it. Oh. Um, what you may not know is He's that looking at me because I will not know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that this is a direct sequel to an episode of Star Trek? 
It is. Like from the original series. From the original series. Okay. Let me break this down. <laughs> so this is the second movie of Star Trek. Right. right. But there's a whole series beforehand. Right. There's a series that ran for three seasons. Thank you. That was my next question. How many seasons? Three. How long in the between 60s. the series and the when series, the first movie came out? The series was in the 60s. So um, the show ended in 69. Yeah. And so this is 82, so 13 years. Okay. So was it? did it come back just due to like fans and so, a need? So <laughs> but it was 15 years, which it is the truth, because the, when the episode was the first season, right? Yeah, first season. So it was 15 years. There's 15 years between the... The episode that it's the, based on, that it's based on, and the movie, and even I think Khan mentions, you know, it's been 15 I like, years. I like Uncle Henry's face right now. Well, I want to ask a question <laughs> of Justina. Justina, um, is your role here? They they force you to watch movies that you don't know. Yep. You're and then so and then you you sit there and you don't like them, and then it gives them an opportunity. Where they're trying to teach you what they want you to know. Because I feel like Scotty and Stephanie are lecturing you. They are a little this, bit. This is some some forced lecture of yeah, you. Yeah, a little bit. That's kind of how it feels for me sometimes. I'm so sorry. It's, it's usually when it's Star Trek or something I, I genuinely don't like that, uh, that this comes out like this. Usually... Um, sometimes we can talk about like actual filmmaker aspects of it. No, no, no. Star Trek is... I was just genuinely bored. So they just try to tell me how great it is, pretty much. <laughs> okay, well, that's, and then what, I I'm kinda, that's yeah. what I'm noticing here. It just yeah, yeah. looks like you're here to really, they want to and they want to insert okay. their, their opinion. They like it head. so bad. They we really want her to well, like as it. Well, as a non-fan of the original stuff, it really is lots of people in rooms talking to each other. That you don't know oh. and you don't know their connection. It's so difficult to keep up. But did, I didn't know the story, really. Did you pick up, though, on, yeah. on like the parallels between what was going on in this movie and Moby Dick? No. You did not at no. all? No. I, my first question, my next question is, have you read Moby Dick? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> you didn't see Khan as Captain Ahab chasing this whale, you know, for no purpose. So many times oh. his own crew was telling him, we can be free. We've got this ship. We can go anywhere we want to. Why are you trying to keep chasing Kirk? Because he I, tasks me. Because he keeps like him. chasing this whale. You know? I think so if... Let me put this in a different context for you guys. Okay. okay. So I'm going to go with Psych because I've already brought that up. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they have two movies in a series. And that's like one of my favorite TV shows. So if I had you guys just watch the second movie, which is about one of the detectives who has been, um, he has had a stroke. So the whole movie centered around hold on, that. Hold on. Hold on. Wait. Don't say that. Don't mention anything. Let's do it. Okay. Because I've never seen Psych. I've never seen Psych either. I've never seen the TV so let's show or revol- anything. So let, next episode, next film, let's do the psych, the second Psych film. Okay. <laughs> What's well, the your, name your, of your point, were you making the point that the, the second Psych film would be good enough, it could stand on its own for people that had never seen Psych? No, it was going to be kind of different. Like, okay. I know the relationships of the characters, so I understand when they react a certain way why they're doing that. So even... I was so taken apart from this movie because I I don't know their importance. I don't know the battle that they have or the history that Khan and Kirk have. So the whole time it's just me trying to understand who's talking to who, like Spock and Kirk. I didn't realize they were such good friends until he died. 
at the end. And then I was like, oh, he cares about him. They were best friends. Uh, the doctor, until the doctor said, I'm your friend. I was like, oh, well, that's a friend of his. Uh, there's so many things. I didn't know that the son okay. worked with the lady. I didn't know they were related. All, all, but, okay, but, but on that, though, <clears throat> there's a scene where after Kirk gets the orders to go to regular one and it goes to Spock his when Spock's in his, his room and he's meditating meditating or praying or whatever he's doing and he, th- there's this whole conversation about you know who should take over the ship and and you don't see that there's a bond there 100% don't remember that scene <laughs> see and that that's my next question what else do you do when you're watching these movies okay I mean are you, you're lot. obviously doing something else also usually it's crocheting I tend to crochet when I watch movies um I did sit in one spot, and uh, I have a hard time sitting through movies. I did sit and watch this whole movie sitting in one spot. But I was so bored that I found my, myself more going, they're jumping. They're not even reacting to that properly. <laughs> and then I'm like, the music's more exciting. So it was like I was focusing on too many things outside of the story because I was so frustrated with not being able to connect with the story. So you just get to that point. It's like going to a lecture for a subject you don't know and the teacher's lecturing you and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking like it's gibberish to me essentially. Like you're using words but they don't make sense. So instead you're like, That suit looks really good on him. He's really pulling that off. Which I find fascinating because I think out of every film in this series, if if someone who's like who's never seen Star Trek, this is the one I show them. But you didn't show me this one first. So remember that. You showed me this other one first and then we went back and then watched this one. But they're separate things. <sighs> They're not the they're they're Star Trek, but they, they're separate things. They're, they're completely Different. disconnected from each other. Right. They don't they don't have a real connection, outside of the name of the ship and the you know the, the uh, world. The we're talking the about but, but, the world. Well, we're talking about a crew that <clears throat> that is a hundred years later. Like the next generation is like. Here See, we I, go. Did, I didn't know that until this moment either. See, this is more of the the lecturing and the inserting <laughs> yeah. of things We're into sorry. our head. No, no, it's okay. Like, no, I do appreciate it. Oh, you do? <laughs> I, I do appreciate it up to a point. Uh, like, I do, like, when I sit down and I'll break it down, like, all right, so when she did this show happen? Because I didn't know there was a show beforehand. I thought it was just the movies. Um, so then it's like, well, how far apart are the movies from the show? So I really do go into that more technical aspect of it. Like, why did we have the show? I couldn't follow the story. Now that we've talked about it and I go back and watch it, it might not be as bad because I know the story. Right. And I know the connections. But I think given the fact that it's uh, the second movie after watching the series, if I knew the people from the series, the, the story, like, I think the movie itself wasn't all around terrible if you could follow along. So it's an interesting question. So... It's weird to ask, but how do you watch movies? Because like most movies, you don't know backstory anyway. Most films don't have a series or anything. But so, are, is your hang up is that you know there's there's something that exists, and then you're Possibly? like, there's there the, there's just some stuff you, you should know. But it's this is I, I I think I think this film does a really good job of telling you everything you need to know. I don't think it does as much as you think it does. Like if we find somebody that doesn't know Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And we we just, but well, I mean, no, I have I seen something. I would like to try this again bit. on somebody else who's not seen. <laughs> yes. This is our new experiment. Cool. But if we were to find somebody else be, and not tell them anything, because I it's I cannot I cannot put myself in her shoes because I, I have known Star Trek we're, my entire life. We're gonna have to go find Amish right, country. But I I I I agree with her point to a degree. I think that yes, Scotty, they do establish the the friendships between McCoy and Kirk and the the friendship between. 
Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. but all the other relationships with the original cast members that there's a lot of fan service with. Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody like Justina would never pick up, and probably never pick up the uh, the asides between Spock and McCoy. Right. Because there were several cute moments in the movie that she probably did not think were cute because she didn't realize right. the like friendly a, re- friendly rivalry between Spock and McCoy. Like McCoy's constantly call him a blue blue blooded alien. Green blooded. Yeah, a green blooded whatever. Green blooded right. alien. Yeah, so, like, she, so yeah, I can like see when they how. When I go beam down, it's like be careful, gentlemen. He's like Bones is like we will. Yes. <laughs> yeah, those yes. aren't those weren't funny to me. Those those moments were like I, okay. Yes. All right, cool. But it, I do think that if you knew the story, that those moments would be better and you could connect more. You do hit a point where you can't connect with something for long enough that you're just like, all right, well, they'll guide me when we talk about it later. It's fine. <laughs> um, what I was saying in the beginning, that, you know, you know, I saw this movie early as a child and I loved it as a child because of its lasers and space stuff. And as I got older, I loved it because it's a Moby Dick allegory and it's wonderful. But as I'm getting older, the the message of growing older, and how do you how do you approach growing older? Um, Amen to that. I'm st- I I am now learning in a whole different light. So watching it again for the this, I mean I had to watch it back. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Actually, last time I seen it before the podcast was when you and I saw it on the big screen. Yes, and that was two years ago mm-hmm. for its um, 35th anniversary. By the way, Justina, I did weep. At the death of Spock. Oh, so did my husband. Henry. My husband yes, I, does too. I wept at the death of Spock as an adult who knew that Spock was resurrected, resurrected from multiple future <laughs> movies and TV appearances. Still, it got me that it was that fan service element. They yeah. did a beautiful job. The, it's the way he dies. It's oh. so. But fan service isn't always and good. Kirk's reaction, and something. Kirk's reaction to his death is just heartbreaking. Um, it was and well done. And at the end, it's like I'm getting a little choked up now. At the end when he's giving his eulogy, um, and he said that out of all all the, um, was all the that species he's species very... he's run, you know he's run across in the universe that um, he was the most human, and it's like oh my god. I'm sorry, I've got another question for the both of you. Sure. And I don't know, uh, I don't know much about Justina's background, so I don't know if this would apply to her or not. But I know that two of you very involved with theater. Mm-hmm. So Just she. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, was there no enjoyment from any of you? Of just watching the acting with Ricardo Montalban and William Shatner. Oh, absolutely! Is that not fun to see these guys chewing? I mean, the scenery is just—they're just chewing huge chunks out of it. I love it. I let Ricardo Mont. Is that Colin? Yeah. William, William Shatner's acting is unique. He has a very unique style of acting. Right. And and a lot Effective. of times, and it, well, a lot of times it's all it could it can all. Especially in the original series, um, it was almost comical the way he would overact a lot of yeah. stuff. But there was such real emotion from him in this movie that it was just, it, I mean, like you, you could feel his pain. You could feel his agitation. You could feel his anger watching him on the screen. And like you said, it was. I think this is the best Kirk performance and yep. Ricardo Montalban is an amazing actor anyway, and I, he watching him is a thrill in anything I've ever seen him in. So, so, so while filming, um, uh, here's an interesting fact: um, uh, William Shatner and Ricardo Montalban never acted together 
I, I, I figured that they were never in, they they were not in a room together. They're never in the room, same room together, which is I think is fascinating for for a film to never have your main hero and your main villain not meet. They don't. But that kind of ties into the story too of them not ever being able to connect and the frustration of it. Right, right, which is perfect. And so, you know, they are both giving these amazing performances, but they're not they're not giving it to each other, which is even you know you know as someone who's mm-hmm. acted, I mean, it's amazingly tough to you know to do all these. These these dialogue scenes, but as monologues, yeah. and then hopefully they will cut together, and they do so beautifully. Um, during the filming of of of, uh, of this, Nicholas Meyer had to keep uh, both Shatner and uh, Warcado Montavon to um, be act smaller than they were. So <laughs> Montavon took originally he took the when they were shooting on um, the the set of F five set. He was very big about everything. Everything was GC. And, and so Meyer was like, you have to understand this is a madman. He's gone crazy. And so, but he doesn't want anyone to know he's crazy. So be smaller. And then we'll, and when you do crazier moments, go big then. And so we had to bring him back down on that. The same way for, um, for Shatner in the scene where they're lowering the shields of the Reliant. And, you know, you know, we had like, uh, he was reading those lines way too big. And so they had to bring him back down on that. But it worked out great. My favorite, one of my favorite Shatner lines in that is after that battle scene, and they've damaged the Reliant, and and there's a, that moment of where he's triumphant. He goes, "I did nothing. I got caught with my britches down." And the way he delivers that is just so, like you know, he's happy that he's they're getting out of it, but he knows how much danger they're in. And for someone who's like him, it's on, and it's a fake movie set, and he's just pulling it off. Just, I mean. Hi, it's just amazing to me. Well, well, you talked about uh, overacting comically, right? You know that the original series, they're they're literally with painted styrofoam. You know, they're right. they're, they're pretending they're on another planet with painted styrofoam. styrofoam. Exactly. So they're ha- that you know they're all they've got is being able to do stuff like that. Right, and it worked. It worked for that. Um era because a lot you know a lot of tv back then was kind of over the top um it, so it worked I, but you know that's the the kirk i grew up with was the one that overacted and you know so um, with to see him actually perform but scotty on but you just talked about william shatner but what about ricardo montalban because every time i watch it i I like him better each time oh, i watch he's it. amazing he's absolutely amazing i love I love like when we were talking about you know uh, when Joaquin comes up to him and says, "Hey, look, we we we've, we've got a ship. We we don't need Kirk. We we can do whatever we want. We've, you know, you promised us two hundred years ago we would have our own place. This is our chance to have our own place. No, I have to have Kirk because he tasks me. Right, he tasks me, and I shall have him. And so they've pledged this fealty to him two hundred years ago. So they're going to go along with him." But you can see that they're not on board. They're like, why are we doing this? We can we can escape, you know. We have escaped. Let's, let's. We've escaped. We have a ship. We can go wherever we want. And it's like, no, we have to kill Kirk first. And so, it's he's so good. I even his reveal, just slowly pulling off those gloves of that suit and then removing his helmet and just check off God and just right. that just reverence and it's just oh. which. which by the way, Chekhov was not even in the episode of... Yeah, he of, did show up to season two. I know. Justina, what did you think about them putting caterpillars in people's heads and in their, in their ears? Oh, that was disgusting. Okay, so you did see that part while yes. you were crocheting. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I can do a lot while I crochet. Um, I At first, he like caught that thing, and I didn't know where he was going with it, and then he pulled something off its back, and I was like, oh, gross. And then he put it in a dish, and I was like, oh, he got two of them, and there's two people. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I really thought he was going to like put their head to the side and just like drop it. And I was bracing for it. But then he put it in the helmet. I was like, that's much better. Oh, but then you <laughs> theatrically, can that's much better, too, because you can direct that a lot easier, too. You're like, it's in the helmet. Here it goes. Uh, fun fact about the, the suits. Um, they were not uh, they didn't have air when they were filming them. So they had radar uh, radios inside. To, to let everyone know when they got too hot or they couldn't breathe. So they just they stopped filming, let them breathe, but that went back on them. So. That's interesting, uh, being a suit that's probably supposed uh, to While we're talking, hair. go ahead and let's, let's get to the libation. Let's talk about that. And oh, okay. Um, I'm going to take off my earphones for a minute while I gather my supplies. All right. Uh, um, so there's a sequel to this. Okay. Uh, Are we watching that too? No, we're not going to watch it. Well, maybe eventually. I don't know. No, we're not going to watch it. They want to lecture you on that. They do. I'm sure. I really appreciate you, Uncle Henry. You can come (laughs) back anytime you want to. Well, you know. Well, no. It just seems. I. It's made me wonder if you're a masochist. If you participate in order to be tortured. If you're enjoying being tortured by these people. No, no, no. It's just kind of the. It's just kind of the thing. So the my story is that um, my dad actually collected movies. We, he would go out and buy all the new movies every Tuesday when I was a kid. This is, all of them. The story, the story makes me sad. And so I grew up in a very difficult childhood. Uh, my parents were very strict. But when it came to movies, he had a room of bookshelves. And it was VHSs for a while. And they'd be like triple layered and alphabetized. And it doesn't matter what the genre was. They were alphabetized. So you had to know what letter you wanted to watch, not what movie. Um, we were not allowed to watch movies. Because if we put a movie on, we were not doing something that we could have been doing. And honestly, that was reflected more with me than my younger siblings, which I've been thinking about a lot lately. Because I was the one that pretty much raised them. So it was always like, you have something better to do. And then like the last three, I don't think, had that interpretation. That growing up. So anyway, I never watched movies. And then I moved almost once or twice a year from states. So I went from Washington State to minnesota to idaho to somewhere else in idaho to alabama to somewhere else in alabama so i was constantly moving so even my cultural experience like i i miss things in my education because you learn things different in different states so there were some things i learned like four times and then some things i didn't learn about at all so it'll come up nowadays something i can't even give you an example right now but something will come up and i'm like i don't even know anything about that because i just missed it in my education so then that ties into You don't really have that group of friends you hang out with, so you don't have people that just talk about movies. You don't get to watch them. I eventually got a radio, so I wasn't even, like, current on music. I was very sheltered. So it kind of became a thing. My dad probably has every single movie we've done so far. He probably owns them all. I'm I'm not understanding why the movies were bought, but you didn't watch them. Oh, he bought them for himself. That was his thing. So he watched them, but he didn't let his family watch them. Half of his movies were not opened. It was it was very much like a, a hobby. Like he enjoyed collecting movies. Um, they watched movies every night. They would watch a movie at dinner. We we sat at the table in the kitchen. We were not allowed to watch the movies. Okay, this is really weird and sad. I when have, I hear the story, I just want to cry. And hold there's you. a lot that ties into that, but that's pretty much how this got started. Is they were doing the bros, booze, and movies, and I had sat in on something. It was Prince of Darkness, so no one needs to see that anyway. It's fine. Um, but then it kind of became this. I missed out on a lot of cult, traditional classics that most people have just seen at some point, um, like Goonies. I haven't seen Goonies. Neither I, have I. Oh best friends uh but there's a lot of stuff like that that i have not seen so i missed i missed out on a lot of those so now when we go back and watch it even if it was in my generational time it's me still watching it as an adult 
from a time that I wasn't watching movies. So that's kind of my inter. Like the she who knows no movies is quite literal. I've seen more TV shows, I think, than I have actually seen movies. All right, I'm now I am now in your corner. Thank you, buddy. I'm oh, firmly in her corner. We're now. always in her corner. That's we like showing her movies. That's a, that's fun for us. At times it does feel luxury, but sometimes it's interesting, and it does allow me to watch movies I hadn't seen that I probably should, and now I just don't have time to go pick. Uh, like, we watched the original Chucky, and then we watched the new Chucky. You didn't need to see that. What is it? Why well, did you make on. her watch those, Scotty? What we Child's, Child's Play. Child's Play. I knew you it was Child's Play. I didn't need something. to see that. I didn't even know Child's Play was connected to Chucky. <laughs> right. I didn't even know those were the same things. And Chucky showed up and I was like, why is Chucky in this movie? It's like, it's a it's Chucky his, movie. Because oh, it's his movie. Yeah. So I come across kind of as an idiot on this podcast. No, I'm not I don't lie. think A little so, bit. I, I think I, I do. I don't think you're ever an idiot. I'm just uh, I, culturally inexperienced. So That's that's why we have, you know, in the, in the description, you know, someone who's never seen them. Literally, has just never seen them. <laughs> okay. Basically, you were already Amish. Oh, is the libation done? They're very libation pretty, is and done. they so, have one of my favorite beers in them, so I'm excited about that. So, um, of course, I was looking up a Romulan ale recipe because that is what McCoy gives Kirk for his is birthday. Is this blood? This is his this blood. Is, no. Spock's blood? <laughs> it's blue-green. <laughs> yeah, because the Romulan blue ale. moon has, like, a color to it. So, but when looking, of course, I go online and I'm looking for different Romulan um, ale recipes, and there are several out there, tons of different ones, and almost all of them have grain alcohol in it. <laughs> and I almost killed Scotty that one time, uh, yeah. so mm-hmm. I decided no. I would mm-hmm. be nice. Um, but uh, I did go back find to this the, one. Uh, Return to Oz episode. Yeah, re- the, Return to the Oz. The witch's bucket. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I've, I've come across this. Of course, um, Romulan ale is supposed to be an ale. Um, and I came across this recipe where the um, they do use three. It's three ounces of the blue curacao. Curacao. And um, top it off with the blue moon. Because the um, blue curacao does have an orange flavor to it anyway. And the blue moon, of course, does have the orange peel. So mm-hmm. that is what we are drinking today. Uh, this is actually... And, and it does have like a little bit of a greenish color, which is fine. So fun fine. fact, uh, there was used to be a Star Trek exhibit in Las Vegas mm-hmm. called the Star Trek Experience. Mm-hmm. And you could actually buy Romulan ale in bottles. Yeah, I mean... And uh, I have one. That's really cool. I gotta bring it for the office. I need to go grab it out of storage. I did yeah. look in the book. Um, Scotty gifted my husband with a Star Trek cookbook, and um, I did look in there for a recipe, but <laughs> they. Oh, Henry's part. I know. Does it have larvae in it? No. It, well, see, they have. They're setting from, it, They have like each. <laughs> they have sections from each of the um, Star Trek crews throughout the years, but one of them that they have is Quark's Bar uh, from Deep Space Nine, and they list everything they used to make these particular drinks oh, that's and cool. but it's at what they actually used on set which was all non-alcoholic and so i was very disappointed not as cool i could not, not cool. get a actual recipe because what they used for the romulan ale on quark's bar was um, blue gatorade or powerade so, so not very exciting <laughs> so uh, let's so uh, anyway cheers 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 Well, it's tasty. It's not that bad. No, it's not bad. It's surprising. I can really taste the orange in it. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to. Right. All right. Orange has a kick to it. Here, Justina, when you finish that. (laughs) There's there's extras. 
So I found some apocrypha. Thank you again for our our drink, our lovely lady of life. Yeah. Patients. So to Kirk's birthday, happy birthday, Kirk. Happy birthday, Kirk. Happy birthday, oh, yes, happy Kirk. birthday. Yes. Nice glasses. Um, the, the apocrypha. So the original subtitle of this was Star Trek: The Genesis Project. Then it was changed to Star Trek II: The Undiscovered Country. Uh, and then it was changed to The Vengeance of Khan. Uh, the last one was disca- discarded because of uh, Star Trek episode, uh, Star Wars episode six, Return of the Jedi. They were like, we can't have that. So um, they, Star Wars always getting in the way, basically, of the Trekkies. That's um, what they're called, right? Yeah. <laughs> Trickers, <laughs> Trekkies, Trekkies. Um, uh, but so they they settled on Wrath of Khan. Um, Star Trek um, six would individ- eventually be called the Undiscovered Country. I like the Wrath of Khan. Undiscovered Country is one of my favorites. Also directed by Nicholas Meyer. It it's, has a Hamlet feel to it. That's Nicholas Meyer. That's his, the, his whole thing. It's like the the reason why this movie exists because he likes um, classic uh, theater. No, he likes like, um, classic literature. Uh, Horatio Hornblower. He just likes sailing ships and so goes. I, I, they won't give me money to make a Horatio Hornblower movie, but they'll give me a movie. They give me money to make Star Trek, so he made it. He made it Moby Dick meets Horatio Hornblower. So, uh, draft of the script had Khan defeating Admiral Kirk in a sword fight. Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, they have swords. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, Don't look at me like that, Uncle Henry. Well, no, I'm I'm <laughs> trying to. I can't remember uh, a lot of sword fighting. Sulu. Sulu had a sword. sword. I, I remember that. Yeah. I didn't just didn't see anybody with like. Yeah. Like a original sheath, series. Like they, a they mostly sheath? had them. Sheath. Yeah. Sheath. Klingons use the the batlets. Which is, is that cool. that language that they threw down in the middle of this movie? No, <laughs> that was Vulcan. That Spock and. Yeah, they were talking. In Vulcan. I couldn't understand. I assumed it was Klingon. I don't know that language. <laughs> so it's either English or Klingon, right? That's it. It was actually, every other. That was Vulcan. I like it. Um, one rejected idea for the second Star Wars uh, Star Trek movie involved a scientist um, belonging to a humanoid race on a largely water-covered planet investigating a water creature called a Wafida. Wafida. Yeah, a race of... Uh, Pleosaur-like humanoids who lived entirely in water. It turns out that the Wafita are actually a later stage of the terrestrial humanoid life cycle. And they, so it was like, this is how human life started. But that was um, discarded. The script originally called for Dr. McCoy to say he's dead, Jim, at Spock's death. But, oh my God, I'm glad they didn't do but that. But DeForest Kelly feared that the line would draw unintentional uh, laughs and, and said, uh, insisted it being changed in the film. It's Scotty who says, sir, he's already dead. Uh, Leonard Nimoy did not know about the final shot of, shot of Spock's coffin on the surface of the Genesis planet. He first saw this at the premiere. Oh my god! The dude that wanted it so that he yeah. was not in it, yeah. Spock. Yeah, Spock. So they showed it, and he was like, "No, I said I was dead." <laughs> and he said that his first thought was, "I'm going to be getting a call from Paramount," <laughs> which he did. Yep. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about this for a second. Um, there is a director's cut. I, we we watched the theatrical cut. There's a director's cut of this film, and there's a, a cut called the ABC television cut. They all have different footage. What? <laughs> I of, almost watched the director's cut. Some of it has crossover. But um, so if you recall, after the battle with with the Reliant, um, they're going to check out their damage and see what's going on. And they turn, and there's Scotty. He's got the cadet in his hand that's all burned up. Mm-hmm. And so right. my first thought was, why didn't he just take him to sick bay? But I've always thought, exactly. it's like, just take him to, why the bridge is not, I don't know why, and no one's ever answered this. He needed them to see how bad it was, Scotty. And so you see, and, and you see at the end of the, you know, when he dies, he, Scotty's very upset about it. And so you think Isn't that the kid from Witch Mountain? I, it may be, I'm not sure. I think that was the kid Looks from like Witch him. Mountain. But 
and so uh, Scotty is visually upset about this, and you're and you're thinking, well, that's a, a teacher to a student. Not so. In deleted scenes from the original release, Scotty explains that Peter Preston, the young man who died, is his nephew. Oh, I would take him to the bridge and too. So, and so there are two scenes. There, you know, one at, at when um, Admiral Kirk's during the inspection, uh, Kirk and um, Preston have a conversation about how cool the Enterprise is, and you know, you're like it's the best starship in the, the the fleet, sir, and all that kind of stuff. And then there's after he dies, there's a there's a uh, Kirk consoles him and says, you know, he's going to get whoever did this. You know, Khan, who, you know, who did this. All right, so do, is that in the director's cut so, or the ABC? It's in cut? both versions. Okay. Wow, we totally... I totally uh, missed that. That was like the last That's movie so watched where they took though. out so many storylines that I think... I didn't know the there story. was an ABC cut. I'd heard about how the first Star Trek movie had a much longer version for television. So, God, But I didn't hear about awful. this having so an a, ABC cut. There's a history... Okay, so... For, for those who are younger than us, may not know, a long time ago, the, there was three networks, and the three networks would show, like, Sunday or Monday night movies. Talking about ABC, NBC, uh, Fox? CBS. Fox was before sex. So CBS was, and Fox came later. Did really well, though. But you, you did. did. You, two out of three, you bad. Thanks. 75%. I'm oh, proud of you. You're so Aww. cute. <laughs> you're so cute. <laughs> so, not an A. I remember the first time I got cable. But. So, but... Um, <laughs> They would they would show first run movies you know because there was no cable cable was expensive and it couldn't hard a lot of a lot of people get it but they had to edit it for commercials and content and stuff so what they would do is to make things stretch out they would go and look find deleted scenes um, Halloween uh, is most famous for this because they knew they were getting a television cut so while they were filming Halloween two they added scenes for the TV cut for NBC um, Aliens which we just watched um, last week has scenes that they used for the CBS cut when it first aired. And this movie, same way, they found deleted scenes they could put. Okay. In, in the, so that's now, stretch out time. Did they do that with any of the Superman films? Most likely, probably, because uh, Superman 1 and 2 were both filmed at the same time uh-huh. um, with Donner directing it, and then they fired Donner for the, the second one. Oh. Ah! Ah, we're being ringed on by... Um, Thanks, friend. What was that? Uh, one Foot in the Grave is Oh, John. that's awesome. <laughs> You have you have a gift now, Uncle Henry. Oh well, thank you. That's the it's this, like Mardi Gras here in Mobile. That, I suddenly felt it was like the ceiling. I just want to say that um, that's our friend John who makes amazing, incredible props. He's going to be a guest on us uh, on in October. I mean, like, in, if you ever need a prop made, he is the man. Um. So, did films regularly do that? Was there a time in which they just actively shot extra footage for TV? No. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, Halloween's a rarity. If you were a filmmaker back then, would you have done that? Probably. Depends on how much money I got paid. It usually just comes down to how much money. NBC paid a lot of money to show Halloween because uh, it was such a popular film. So NBC paid a lot of money. So with that money, they were like, we can just shoot some extra things while we're making the sequel. Because they were basically using the same sets. Cool. Um, can, I, can I just say something that is not related to Star Trek at all? Sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting no. here looking at Uncle Henry. No, it's it's. I love your granny button. I love your granny button. Thank you. Is that just some random granny, or is that your granny? No, well, that's from uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, haven't seen that. Sorry. 
Well, I'm not going to lecture you about <laughs> why you should watch it. He's seriously my favorite guest we've had so far. I'm not going to try to force totally it into Chris. your brain. Mm-hmm. Thank Uncle you, Uncle Henry. Henry. I would just tell you that if you're ever, um, they're all on YouTube, and they still hold up quite well. They're funny. They're so funny. you got to watch the best. They're on the YouTube? Yeah. Yes, they're all okay. on YouTube. We don't have to, I, but you, it's funny. I will start it, and I will let you know. Granny's a hoot. I'll reach out. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, oh, before we get into bar here, my last Here, bit I can of, I can share. My last bit of apocrypha is, um, you know, so when they're uh, fixing to do the inspection, and Scotty say, says that the doctor got him in a, uh, pulled him out of a wee belt, and they're like a, a wee belt of what? And he says shore leave. That's in reference to James Dewan had a heart attack the year before. Who's that? Which one? Scotty. Scotty. Oh. And so Scotty had a heart attack the year before, and so they were they were taking light of that. Oh, uh, sorry. Last bit. Last bit. Um, actually, no. This would be trivia. So, um, trying some fun stuff for trivia. And when you're done, I have another question for Uncle Henry. Go that ahead, is about ahead. stars. Okay. Let me ask you this. Did you did you see the newest Star Trek movies with with uh, the whole new cast? Yes. And of course. How do you how do you feel that they? How do you think they did with their casting? I thought it was uh, phenomenal. I thought, I've always thought, people always have, have through, the, through the years, have asked the question, why was Star Trek so popular? Why did it catch on? And there were all these lofty ideas about the future being bright. And uh, I always attributed it to the casting, the original crew. I thought they did such a phenomenal job casting uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner and then DeForest Kelly. I thought they did a great job casting the new the new movies. Uh, at the end of the first new Star Trek uh, with the young actors, I wanted it to keep going. Mm-hmm. I, I did not I want did to too. get up and leave. I wanted there to be more adventure for me I, on the I did, too. I, I thought that they did an excellent job recapturing the essence mm-hmm. of their characters without, without mimicking. Without, exactly, and yes. It's, it, and I thought it was really good. Uh, the, the Spock uh, was like... Uh, being hit by lightning twice. I mean, yeah, right. Zachary Quinto he, And I love the... Um, he was in Heroes. Was it? He was. He was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the first... Which Was it the second movie with, when Le- Leonard Nimoy is in the movie with first him? One. First, first one. Was one. the first one when they're together? Okay. I love the interna- interaction between the two of them. It was just fantastic. And Leonard is the original spot. Yes. I'm getting these names down. Look at you. I know. <laughs> I, I won't be able to throw it down tomorrow, but if you say it, I'll recognize. Yeah. So, um... Uh, question for for the floor here. So, um, Ricardo Montalvan's fantastic chest in this film. Oh, this was funny. Real or not? It's real. Okay, first of all, is that the doctor? No, no that's, that's Khan. Khan. Khan's chest. Oh. The Khan's chest, and it is oh. real. Okay. Because uh, uh, I know, I know, I, I know assumed story. real. I never once thought it was fake. I never once thought it was fake. Did you ever think it was fake? No. But there were those who thought it was a chest plate. Chest plate. Now, why? Does it stick out more than his body? I'm so, so curious now. Because They didn't expect him to be that built at his so, age. Well, you know, he was a bodybuilder all his life. The, the thing is, is that realistically, Khan above his neck looks a lot different than below his neck. <laughs> he looks like a lot older than his chest is. And so I can see where you think there is some trickery, but it's all him. Reminds me of Bo. Also, also at the time this movie was made, Ricardo Montalban was known for being um, uh, on Fantasy Island. He was Mr. Rourke. Ho- Mr. Rourke. So the host of Fantasy Island, where he was very different. He was 
a, a gentleman. He wore a white suit, and he was a gentleman, and he hosted um, people on his fantasy island where they can where dreams can come true good or bad yeah it's so which is also a great show from back in the day but um didn't look anything like con what else has he been in oh tons of stuff lots Uh, and lots of 50s 60s movies tv shows uh i think other uh Conquest and uh, Planet of the Apes and Conquest and Battle. He's in the last two, I think. I'm sure he also portrayed Native Americans. Yes, he did. Some he cultural did. appropriation. Well, there. there's cultural appropriation in this too because Khan is supposed to be from India. Oh, but he's not. He's <laughs> he's, he's, no, he's, he's Mexican. He's Mexican. <laughs> but he's not. He's not like Mexican. Mexican. His actual original family came from Spain. That's why he looks different than most Mexicans. He's actually more Spanish than Mexican. So but he a, is. a little background for um, the the episode that happened that led into this. So in, in the world of Star Trek, there's a the, there is a World War Three that happens in the 90s, and it's caused by uh, these Superman called um, they uh, they were genetically created to lead, and they all had these different countries, and they all fought each other. And uh, Khan, toward the end of the eugenics war, the World War III, is in charge of, like, Asia, India, and the Middle East. He's, he's got, like, a, he owns, like, a quarter of the planet. Kind of like Genghis Khan. Right. And so they overthrow they overthrow him, and he escapes with his, his uh, 72 of his followers into space on a ship called the Botany Bay. The Enterprise uh, finds the Botany Bay nearly 200 years later. Um, they wake up Khan. Um, Khan eventually tries to overthrow the, the Enterprise. And then they just were like, well, we'll just exile you to this planet. So that's the history of yeah, Khan. The, yeah, right. and he was, and it was Ricardo Montalban yeah. in, in the original. Yeah, he reprises his role. A much younger Ricardo Montalban. But. So they, and they kick him to his planet, and then they forget about him, and then setting out of six explodes, and five becomes a, de- a barren waste. And you you hear a lot, uh, you learn a lot about the World War Three during the next generation because um, of a character called Q that um, loves to remind um, the crew of the Enterprise how humans are terrible, and this is why, because of the World War Three and... It's well, crazy. If, if you recall, in when we watched First Contact, I was just thinking about First Contact. They were, you know, they're living in those camps and stuff. Yeah. That's post World War Three. They're they're building into what they would become. Interesting. So those camps and stuff they were living in the, is society trying to rebuild itself. Is it First Contact? Doesn't the Enterprise get blown up at the end of that? Or no? Enterprise has been blown up several times. Okay. Yeah, but not in that it's one. It's like the Death Star. Not She's in coming that. back. Well, no, they rebuild and rename. It was like a naval ship. So I mean, literally, the, the, those that's the Navy. For space, okay. and so they'll rebuild it and then rename that ship the Enterprise. Okay, so they don't give it a new name; it's just still the Enterprise. It's right. not the same ship, though. It's been rebuilt. Right, it's been rebuilt okay. several times. So is it always a different? It's like a different ship, but yes. The only time you don't have an Enterprise, well, there's just a couple of times you don't have it in Voyager, you don't have it in um, Deep Space Nine. So it's in the pilot. Huh? It's in the pilot, but it's not like the focus. Right. So. I have a question for Uncle Henry. Sure. Okay. How do you feel the movies relate to the TV show? Having had enjoyed the show so much, do you think the movies uphold what the TV show started? Most of them do. Uh, some of the movies are in. Some movies are better than others, so you'd have to go movie by movie. Oh, I cannot do that. The first I understand you that, thought you they, thought this was boring. The first movie is like watching paint dry. It's a little uh, slow. It is more. It's a lot of talking in rooms. 
with nothing happening. So do you do you ever wish that instead of doing multiple movies, they would have just started the show back up? No. Um, at the, in that era when they were in the eighties when they were making the movies, um, special effects became more important than ever before, mm-hmm. but they were also more expensive, and you yeah. never would have been able to afford to do that in a weekly series. A now you can, show. because yeah. they have all the new technology. Right, so, but not in the 80s. So not in the 80s. Know. That's a good point to make. So I'll, I'll, let's talk about this for just a second, because it's part of history and part of the trivia. But um, S- Star Trek, the, Paramount was wanting to do a network, like a television network in the, uh, in the 70s. They were going to make the fourth network. And so they were going to launch it with um, Star Trek. They were going to, that's going to be one of their title shows. And so they got Roddenberry back, and they were going to make this thing called Star Trek Phase 2. And uh, things happened, and Paramount wasn't able to do the, um, the network, and so they abandoned the project. Star Wars comes out. Star Wars is a huge hit. Just a, no one saw it coming. I mean, like filming Star Wars, no one knew this was going to be. They thought it was going to be a throwaway children's movie, not a cultural icon that it became. So, like like when those things happen, studios go, okay, what do we have like a Star Star Wars? And Paramount had Star Trek, and so they rolled in what they were using for um, Star Trek Phase Two to make the motion picture, and so. Uh, because of that, it made the the budget balloon because they they added the budget from what they had already used to the budget of the of the first film. Mm. So the budget of the first film was f- between forty five and forty million dollars. It did okay. It, it didn't do great, but it did okay. It made its money back, but it didn't do great. And so they were like, it made enough money to do a sequel, but they had to do it much much cheaper. Do you what do you think the budget was for this film? Twenty thousand or twenty million? I mean. This mil- film? This film. Twenty million. What you got? Gosh, eighty-two. Um, first movie. Now, first movie was forty-five million dollars in seventies money. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, um, sixty. Sixty. I'm I'm more along Justina's lines. I'd say thirty million. Ten million dollars was the budget. Really. They managed to finagle an extra million dollars, so this movie was made for eleven million dollars. Are you Jeez kidding me? Wow. That would that would explain why uh, the big like fight scene. He goes commit. <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts <laughs> of that whole movie. <laughs> that's not that bad though. I mean, no. they did a great job. Uh, there. Well, and it also explains why they uh, they made so much money off that 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 tells them they need to keep making Ex- those movies. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And the, the 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 thing was is that they used a lot of stuff already shot for the first film. All the Enterprise stuff that's like in Docking Bay and all that stuff, and all the shots of the Enterprise by itself was already seen in the last movie. They just reused it crazy. and shot, you know, showed different angles of it. But it's the same, it's the same shots. I, I have a question for everybody except for you because cool. you were. I don't think you were born. Was it before '89? <laughs> I wasn't. No, it was '90, so you still would not know this. As an, actually, as not, an infant, how would you? Actually, feel about it was. Them? It was not '90. It was like '91. Do you remember? Do you remember toddler had thoughts <laughs> where you were when when you found out Gene Roddenberry had died? Oh gosh, no, I'm out. Let me answer that by saying not at all. No, I don't no, remember that either. at all. I, 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 no. I can tell you exactly what I was doing. I was I was a student at South um, getting my degree in political science. I was on my way to class, and on my way to class, someone had stopped me and told me, a friend of mine, that Gene Rodberry had died. And that is? 
the writer. The guy who created, okay. Star Trek. created Star Trek. And I remember not making it to class because I was crying so Aww. hard. Aww. Because of the Aww. impact that, I mean, this is something that was a part of my childhood. My yeah. whole life was, was Star Trek with my dad. I mean, I love Star Wars, too. Don't get me wrong. But this was something that had that I felt completely impacted my life. And the only other time that has happened to me where I felt like devastated was when Stanley died. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just crazy. But I remember exactly where I was the moment I was told that Gene Roddenberry died. He died died. right before um, the premiere of Star Trek VI. Yeah. I, I remember that, but I wasn't. I don't know. Scotty, one, one quick uh, interjection. You mentioned that after the success, the shocking success of Star Wars, that the studios were looking for anything mm-hmm. Star Wars like to get out. I remember going to the movie theaters in Mobile and watching Battlestar Galactica. Yes. The TV pilot of Battlestar Galactica that had the same special effects people that worked on their spaceships mm-hmm. they put it in theaters because people wanted to see the special effects and so i remember seeing the tv pilot of battlestar galactica i saw it on tv and then went and saw it in the movie theater yeah. right i love battlestar galactica did, did, did you did you ever see bat uh uh so battle across the stars Roger, no. Cor- Roger Corman with uh, John Boy. And no, no, I've never seen that so uh that's a star wars clone that Ro- roger corman made before this movie and, and he made it uh, on a zero budget, right, I'm sure. Right, but uh, they have the same uh, composer, but that movie didn't do so well, so he used a lot of the same music in this film. He just, just like, oh, just copy-paste. And so he did... Great composer, by the yeah, way. James, James Warner, who did the uh, Alien soundtrack from the last movie. Okay, really good. A um, couple more things before we, before, before we move on. Um, how about Khan's people? Um, so Khan's uh, people, meaning the actors playing Khan's henchmen, were Chippendale dancers. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. They were in good shape, so yeah. they, they, they need someone. Never knew that. Defend it, so. They're they on somebody, a tight budget. They needed somebody who looks superior. So in movies, if you have a speaking line or a couple speaking lines, you get paid more, and you have, right. you usually get a character name and your credits in in the um, the film. This is not so for Khan's right hand man, Wakim. Uh, Are you saying Wakim? Are Joaquin, you serious? Right. Um, Who's played by the great Judson Scott, who's been a lot of sci-fi stuff. Yeah, he's been a lot of stuff. A lot of TV, a lot of, a lot. And so um, uh, he doesn't have a screen credit because of his agent, because his agent thought that he could negotiate for a higher higher percentage and did not get it, so they didn't credit him at all. That's terrible. I ought to fire that agent. Bye. Kick rocks. Uh, Kirstie Alley's character, uh, Savick, was originally written as a Romulan, half Vulcan, half Romulan. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought she did, you know... She did such a good job in this movie and, of course, in the next movie as well. I was really impressed with her performance. And um, I love Kirstie Alley. The first, I mean, of course, she was popular on Cheers. Yeah, this is right before Cheers. Yeah, right before Cheers. This is the one that failed the... Kobe. She didn't the, fail it. Well, because no one could win. I just heard an interview with her oh, where yeah. she talked about this. And she said that that after her audition... Uh, I think her mother died in a horrible car accident. Oh gosh, it's terrible. And her father was in an, was in the accident, was in the hospital, clinging to life. And they waited for her, even though she was an unknown. Instead of recasting the role, right. they waited on her to come back 
to film the movie. That's awesome. And I think she's awesome. Which is unusual for Star Trek. Well, she was. I mean, Star Trek, because they usually screw over people. She was. She was an unknown. She had not been in a movie. No, this was her. This is her debut. Her Her audition must have been pretty great. She oh. was good. She made a great Savick. Since we're on Savick and some stuff. This is for for you when you're talking about the other language you, you thought was Klingon, which was mm-hmm. Vulcan. Uh, Litter Nimoy and Christy Alley actually spoke English in that sound, uh, in that scene, and they just reversed the sound. Oh, and, that's crazy. And so oh. that's, that's Do they Vulcan. do that with all Vulcan? No, they just did it for this movie. Klingon is actual language, yeah, and it's m- actually a recognized language now that you can learn. Which is kind of crazy. Do any of you three know Klingon? I know a couple of words. I, yeah, I know a few words, but not. There are people that You're know my it. favorite. No, yeah, look, that is a, that's a sign that the, you've gone too far. So, you've gone too far. far. All know, right, Scotty and Stephanie, throw it if down. If you've learned, I mean, you should be, as you, you mentioned that you crochet, you know, do you learn a language that no one really speaks, or do you learn a, a skill in <laughs> a life skill. that can help something? You should learn to do something like crochet rather than learn Klingon. No offense to the Klingon listeners out there. <laughs> Uncle I mean, Henry's very busy. He doesn't have time. He's got two there's dogs. A lot, there's a lot of That's other fair. stuff to learn. He's there got two is. dogs, I, and they're very I've busy I've never dogs. tried to learn Klingon. I've picked up words from watching the movies, and I know what these words mean. Um... There are people that actually learn the language, and I'm with Uncle Henry on this. Why? Who are you gonna Who are you gonna converse with? Trekkies. Everyone <laughs> needs a hobby. Stephanie. Everyone does Everyone need a hobby. A that hobby. might be their religion. My second language our, is German. Our hobby is this podcast. My second language is German, and I feel I have far more people to speak German with than I do, do. Klingons. But yeah. I would like to know the words that you guys know. Kapla. Yeah, Scotty, talk Klingon. Okay, what is Kapla? Kapla. Kapla. Means success. Oh, it sounds like kabloom, like <laughs> failure. So that's kapla. the opposite. A, so every time you're at a, if you're at a uh, convention, you see a Klingon dressed up, you just yell kapla. No. And so there's there's that. Kapla. I do love the Klingons. I just don't. I do learn too. Their I like their whole culture, the whole the whole warrior kind of mentality and the honor system that they go by. And I like I like their weapons. I think they're really cool. So uh, I like the fact they like to drink a lot. So in this film we celebrate uh, Captain uh, Admiral Kirk's uh, birthday. Which birthday is it? Oh, I don't know what his actual birthday Ooh, is. Oh, I want to guess. That's <laughs> how old do you think he is in this okay. movie? Okay, it's been not Shatner. It's but been 15 oh, like years. Which birthday? This the, like the birthday mm, of, in the movie. In the movie. So I feel like if it's been 15 years since the episode is based on. I'm gonna you say gotta be you gotta be at least a certain age. I'm to gonna be say like, 45 is my oh, guess. Calm down. That's my guess. <laughs> 45 is my guess. Mm, I'm going to say 49. 49, 45, Uncle Henry. Uh, is it mentioned in the movie? It is not. Okay. It is not. My guess would be 50. Uh, you're the closest. It is his 52nd birthday. Wow. Did, you, did you really just one-up me, Uncle Henry, right now? Just I'm Price, sorry. Price is right. Price is right. Well, I... I, I was you, really thinking more about, like, they make more in the future. How long are you allowed to do this before so, you have to retire? Uh, so It's in, a good question. So... Uh, they figured this out because they, they they know the start date of this film, and someone went back and did the, when they when they coalesced star dates with the actual dates. They went back. Someone went back and figured out he was. What it's, is his birthday? It's um it's in March. This this movie happens in March. I don't have the date itself, but it's in it, this movie happens in March. Okay. Because of the star dates. Nice. I, I don't know star dates, but I th- thought that was fun. Did he know what birthday he was celebrating? When he made the milk. Probably, Probably not. not. Probably not. It's your birthday. How old am I? Doesn't matter. Continue. Kirstie Alley would often go home and to her house in her uh, Vulcaneers and sleep in them. Oh, God. That's crazy. I wonder how long it would take to get those on, though. 
It's probably just like latex glue or something. Back in the 70s? So do you remember in the... the yeah. F- uh, you remember in the film... Um, where Savick is quoting regulations to the Admiral. And, yes. And Kirk says, I mean, Spock says that he's aware of the regulations. According to naval and, and presumably also Starfleet regulations, uh, quoting regulations to a senior officer is considered an act of insubordination. So uh, so until she was ordered, later ordered to do so by Admiral Kirk, Captain Spock was well within his rights to admonish Savick for trying to quote a general order to Kirk. I have a question that. about that. So throughout the movie, they refer to her as... Mr. Savick, you know, they refer to women as Mr. Um, I want, it, correct me if I'm wrong, on Voyager, did they say yes, sir, to the captain? Sometimes, but she, so, uh, and they address this in um, DS9. Okay, the, the reason why I'm asking is because I have, a, we, have we, we have a friend, uh, Shannon, who was in the Navy, mm-hmm. and I asked her, I said, is that, traditional Navy where they address women with um, kind of male titles. And she said, no, that she never knew of anything like that. So is that British Navy? Is so, that so wh- command officers uh-huh. are in both the British and the United States Navy officers, officers like command officers are usually if they're in command of a ship, they're referred to as by sir or mister. Okay. And so, regardless of, of gender. Okay, I was wondering where that came from. Maybe she, well, she wasn't an officer, obviously. Is that still active today? But she's 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 learning to be a command officer, so she's in that she's in the command structure. Right. So, so okay. she's probably the highest ranking cadet they had. I see. Being honestly. Okay. I don't know. I guess so. That is. I she think w- it's kind of cool. She had to be. High, mm-hmm. They kept giving her the con, right. so she had yeah. to have some. Uh, Gravitas there. Uh, last bit of trivia for everyone. Um, Scotty is only pretending to play the bagpipes in the scene uh, where he's playing Amazing Grace. Uh, his fingering is all wrong. <laughs> I didn't think Scotty knew how to play bagpipes. So, I didn't think that either. It, but just for everyone to know. Uh, so let's finish this up. So um, I will tell you what this movie did domestically. I want you to let to guess how it did on this first weekend, how much money it made. Domestically, it grossed overall $70,912,000. Give or take some change. Jesus. Uh, opening weekend. Fifteen wh- million. Which was um, June f- uh, June fourth. That was what it grossed opening weekend. Seven eight million. No, no d- domestic. Oh, completely. completely. Yeah. So I would say fifteen million. Fifteen million. Twenty one. Twenty one. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Uh, Justina, you're very close. Ooh. Opening weekend was fourteen million three hundred forty seven thousand two hundred twenty one. I figured it was. Ju- and the thunder rolls. Oh, there's I it was just enough above how much they budgeted. Fun. In the first weekend. So, nice. um, how do you think it did its opening weekend in the top uh, in the top five? I will say it's. This in the was in 1982. 1982, the opening weekend. It was in the top five. Four. Two. One. Correct. It was number one. Nice. Can um, you name me yeah. any of the other four? No, I'm out. No, I'm, I can't. In 82? Oh, 82. Golly. I was 10 in 82, by the way. Um, Smokey and the Bandit 2. 1977, so no. Oh. Uh, oh, that's a good guess. No, uh, 80, 81 is 2. Okay. I'm thinking of the original. 77 is the original. 82. What came out in 82? Um, I, golly, I don't remember. I was 10. I don't Cannonball remember. Cannonball Run. Uh, that's no. a good one. Are you ready? Yeah. Back to the Future. <laughs> no, no that was l- way later. 85, excuse me. It's in the 80s. Um, 84. Uh, ready? 
Yeah. Uh, number two is Rocky Two. Oh, that was such a great movie, Rocky Two. Right, number two. Number was two. came out the same weekend. Um, also debuting this weekend uh, was number three's uh, entry, Poltergeist. Oh, that was a great movie. Um, followed by a movie called Hanky Panky. I don't, I don't remember that. That had Tom Hanks in it though, didn't it? No, it did not. It I had to look not? it up. But I didn't know, but I looked it up. It's uh, Gene Wilder and uh, Gilda Radner film. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't. D- directed by Sidney Poitier. Oh Jesus. Okay. <laughs> and number five was Conan the Barbarian. <gasps> oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was great movies. I, I saw all of those except for Hanky Panky. <laughs> I haven't seen Hanky Panky, but I kind of want to now, because um, it looked funny. Um, so by the way. Um, Rocky, was it Rocky Two? Yeah, Rocky Two. No, wait, that's not with Dolph Lundgren. No, never that's mind. Four. That's oh, that he loses in Rocky Two. No, he wins in Rocky Two. He loses in Rocky. He wins in two. He wins in two. Yeah. He gotta have his comeback. Cool. Yeah, it's his comeback. That's it. Okay, so three was with Mr. T, right? Yeah, three was Mr. T. And then four is with Dolph Lundgren. Mm-hmm. Dolph Lundgren's my boyfriend. <laughs> Does he know this? Oh, he will if I ever see him. Oh, he will. Uh, all right, so I will tell you this that. Uh, Luckily, grossing $78 million, this film is in the top 10 films of 1982. That's amazing. Where did it land? Nine. Nine. Oh. Nine. Oh, two on nine. What do you think, Uncle Henry? Um, the question is, uh, it was a top 10 film of, of, the, 19, year? of the year 1982. I'll say three. Number eight. Oh, wow. We were close. close. Can you name me the top five films of 1982? Rocky Two. I'm gonna say Rocky Two. Hanky in Panky. There. No, Rocky Two's got to be in there. Um, uh, forgive me, it's Rocky Three. You're right. So the it's it was Rocky Three. Rocky Three. Sorry. Okay, Rocky Three, and then it's got. Um, let's see, what else? Um, what was the other movie you said? Oh, Hanky Panky. I don't think Conan made it in the top. Or Poltergeist. 10. Poltergeist oh, definitely made it in the top ten. That was a great movie. Yeah, but this is top five. Oh, top five? I think you said ten. No, it, well, you said ten. Star Trek is in the top top ten. Can you name me the top five? Films? Oh gosh, no. Jungle to Jungle. <laughs> Tim Allen. <laughs> so no. Uncle Henry. I have no. I can't for the life of me think of what would have been. Do you know? Do you know what the biggest film of 1982 was? Star Wars. I don't. <laughs> it's a space movie. I'll give you a hint. Battlestar oh, Galactica. It, it is a space movie. It is a space movie. It's, prob- it's probably one of the most beloved space movies. E.T.? E.T. Oh, oh my man. God. That was such a good movie. Number two was also related to Star Wars. Battlestar Galactica? No. Not a space I'm gonna movie. I'm going to keep throwing that down. No. I don't know what it is. Hold related on. to Star Wars, but not a space, space movie. movie. Yeah. Spaceballs. No, that's 86. Oh, it's a space movie. 87. Hold on. Um, Not a space movie. Spaceballs is a space movie. Re- awesome related, powers. Related. Directly related. Directly related mm-hmm. to Star Wars? Does it mean it has not? the same writer? Uh, what else did he Indiana make? Jones. Raiders of the Lost yep, Ark is number Raiders two. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I got it. <laughs> number three is Rocky Three. Number four is on Golden Pond. Oh, that was a good what movie. What a pretty good... That's just a good year for movies. It was. That number, was really Number five, An Officer and a Gentleman. That was a fantastic movie. Tell I have me. seen none of those movies. Oh, You've my You've never gosh. seen E.T.? Oh, You've never seen Raiders of, of the Lost Ark? I've seen Ark? pieces of E.T. E.T.'s You've going never on the seen list. Raiders of the Lost I haven't seen any of Indiana Jones. We've talked about that. <gasps> oh, that's... Oh! Yeah. And now, at this point, I'm no longer watching, like, even going to try to watch the, them you're because gonna, I've seen You are going to love those lectures. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to love the those lectures. He's the best. I mean, I mean, see, those I, are good movies. I, you need I, to watch Raiders those. is okay. I like I like Last Crusade, but I'm, uh, no, I'm not No, see, I'm a Raiders girl. I like the first one. And the second if one... If you love archaeology and hate Nazis, f- you'll love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, the second one's my favorite because a little Asian kid. Dr. Jones! Dr. Jones! It's great. 
I think that's offensive now. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was still funny. He was in the Goonies too. Which she's also not seen. <laughs> so I went to film school. There's another like level. Yeah, she to went this. to film school and hasn't seen these. I films. went to film school. So there are some of these movies where I've seen scenes from them because, because I had to watch scenes and then like comment about them, but I have not seen the full movie. So like E.T., I know I've seen scenes from E.T. because I watched them for film school. Okay, I've got to ask. Yep. You were not allowed to watch films. Right. But then you went to film school. Why yeah. did you go to film school? Because I really enjoyed directing. I did okay. that for plays in school. So I always wanted to be a film director and retire with my own theater. And went to film school for three years and had to step back because it's stupid expensive, first of all. Um, and hit a point where I was like, it's, it became very competitive because things became more accessible. Technology became a little bit easier for people to just be directors. And I have three kids, so I was like, I don't... Like, I'm not going to fight as hard as other directors would, so instead I'm going to focus on theater. Okay. I like the way it makes people feel. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, film directing has, has got to be much different from stage directing, right? I mean, you're... It is, in You're a telling sense. a story with pictures. I don't necessarily enjoy directing in theater. I, I, I do more production managing and stage managing. And oh, you're yeah. great at and that. Yeah. Every time I do a show, uh, and I, I my, enjoy that a lot. As someone who's been in both, she's so good at it. I, I have been in both film and on stage, and it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And I've not directed, but I can see how it would be completely different to direct. A, a film versus a movie because you are when you direct a, a, a theater you know you've got your whole cast and you have rehearsals and you can schedule rehearsals and you have a lot of control as a movie director you're under budget restraints time restraints um, you can't there's nothing nothing is done consecutive like you will like you will you shoot things out of order you do the same shots 50 freaking times because of different camera angles and different things going i would be frustrated as a film director see i think film directing and production managing slash stage managing are kind of more on the same level for those reasons it is more chaotic you do have to work under restraints i do think that you get more creative and effective films if you have a smaller budget like we saw with this film yes because i think when you have money the mindset is it's fine we'll scrap it we can do it again we have the money but when you don't have the money you have to really go well how can we make this work and you're more creative and you can come up with better ideas right and so you do have to have that aspect as a film director the being a theater director you're putting a lot of your responsibility on the actors themselves like you you have to be able to know that as soon as this opens, you're no longer in control of it. So the best thing you can do is just let them know where they can go so they can be seen and they can be heard and then teach them how to display right. that emotion. But after that, if somebody forgets their line, they just have to know how to be that person I, they need to be. I think the as focus a, is different. As a film director, you have to be able to trust your casting because you, you're, you don't have time. You don't have a lot of time to spend on character development so much. You have to right. trust your actors, I think, they need to, to do their job because you have to worry about you have to worry about what's going on over here and what's going over here and what's going on over here and on all of that stuff. And even though you do have input as to what your actors do, you also have to trust your actors to just do their jobs. Whereas in, in on stage, 
you can spend a lot of one-on-one time coaching actors to develop their character the way you want them to. So, so this film had a, had a luxury that a lot of films haven't. Um, uh, this film uh, had a lot of rehearsal time. Oh, that's most crazy. movies. Most movies don't have rehearsal say, time. That's crazy. Again, as you say, you must trust your actor. You you cast an actor. And you may not see them again until you're on set or wardrobe or anything, but your first real interaction as a director with them is when you're there on set. So you have to trust them to know their lines and do their job. Right. And then you work together. In theater, you have that rehearsal time. Nicholas Meyer wanted to do rehearsal time with everybody. He had every rehearsal time with everyone except Ricardo Montalvan, who was working on Fantasy Island. Right. He couldn't do it. So basically what he did was, here's Moby Dick, read that everything's in there. And that's what Montalvan did. And so then, and of course, went back and watched his old episode so he could get the character again. But Meyer's a, a big believer in rehearsal because you can, you can, he says scripts are overwritten and this is as a you know, his screenwriter scripts are overwritten. So as you rehearse, you know what to cut. So he's already pre-cutting stuff before there mm-hmm. are. So he's also saving budget by, so what you're doing is, well, it's not really saving, budget. we're redirecting your budget to rehearsal. So it doesn't show reflect on the screen. So you'll better performances on the screen, but not so much fluff that you have. That's to cut awesome. Editing, so. Cause you don't hear that often where you have rehearsals for movies. No, no, no. Yes, I think there should be done. I think oh, I think get so that. too. But and I think actors would want it too, but it's, it's but then you have for, to pay the actors for rehearsing. Yeah, so it gets into the budget. So our final thoughts of the film and anything else we, we, we missed and we wanted to discuss. We'll start with our guest. Final thoughts mm-hmm. on the film. I don't know that I have final thoughts because I still enjoy watching it over and over and over again. Uh, it's to me, it's as a Star Trek fan, it's it's my favorite representation of the entire franchise, and uh, I always find something I enjoy about watching it. Stephanie, um, I absolutely love this film. It. Um it is very emotional. It brings out, for somebody like me that's not very emotional, it does bring out the, you know, certain emotions. I have a lot of connection to these characters from my childhood. Um, it's a fantastic film, very well orchestrated. Um, I just absolutely love it. Justina, watch it for the first time with a Trekkie. Who can tell you who the characters are and their relationships? That's it. That's all I got. Um, I love this film not as a Star Trek film. I think this is a fine example of good cinema. And when I do a list of my top 10 favorite movies, this movie always ranks high, usually two or three, depending on my mood. Um, this may be blasphemy to other pod- in my other podcasts, but I always rank Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan over The Empire Strikes Back. Wow, wow. it is okay. a better film. Well, I agree because The Empire Strikes Back has the daggum Muppet in it, <laughs> which is ridiculous. <laughs> the, the Muppet is ridiculous. I'm not fond of the, the, those those scenes, but there's not a scene in this that I am bored in. That is not true for Empire. I just saw Empire Strikes Back. Um, a couple of weeks ago in the theater again. And it was wonderful to watch, but when Luke gets to Dagobah, I kind of check out. Do you know, this is the difference for me between Star Trek and Star Wars. I enjoy watching Star Wars, and I look at those films, and I feel like these are fantasy films. This is great. I look at Star Trek, and I watch these films, and I think... This is our future. 
this this could actually this is could actually be one day reality. Yeah, but we got to get through World War Three and eugenics war. But 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 do you understand what I'm saying? It's like even though they are sci-fi and whatever, I look at these films. It's like this is our future, and there's so many things that that have that Star Trek created that were fantastical that are now reality already. Like cell phones, cell phones, um, iPads. Um, I mean, there's, and it's, and to me, it's like I'm watching possibility, and it, it's, it touches me differently. Oh, I understand. You know, for me, you know, I'm someone who's both directed film and stage. Right. And I, I'm, a, I'm a great lover of movies. There's a, there's not a movie like, like even a science fiction film. There's nothing like this. You know, I mentioned this earlier. You don't do a movie where you don't put your main hero and main villain not together. Right. You don't do that, and it works so well. I mean, they're 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 interacting with each other on view screens or through uh, conversations on the um com on the com, and it's just just watching those two actors go at it. It's just magical. It's beautiful. It is William Shatner's finest piece of work. It is. It is. It's Ricardo Montalban's finest piece of work, and you're lucky to get them both together in the same film. Before I go, I wanted to. Uh, someone pointed this out to me, and it made me look at that scene before we I watched it. Pointed made the scene look different to me. Um, we all know the meme out there of Khan. Yes, right. It's it's, it's it has it has transcended not just Star Trek. It's been in other TV shows. Right. There's a gif of Kirk screaming it. I mean, it's I mean it's it's everywhere. Here's a question for you. Why does he yell it? He well, he's yelling because uh, that's him expressing his uh, frustration and, and, and his rage. He's not. He knows that uh, he's not communicating. It's it's not to communicate. It's to just uh, express himself. Right, but like he stubbed a toe. Right. The the to to, to, uh, to lead into it though. Um, Khan says to him that he's you know to Kirk that he's. Um, done far worse than kill him. He's uh, he's marooned him. He's left him alone, to, buried alive, and that's when he yells, "Khan." Is that what he's mad about? For years, I thought that's what he was reacting to, and then I learned that I was wrong. Oh, okay. And here's why I was wrong. Spock communicates with Kirk earlier in the film, of after he's on regular one. And says, if we go by the book, right, uh, hours seem like days, so it will take us two days to repair. The, and that's reason the reason why they're doing that is so in case someone else is listening, i.e. Khan, right. that they will like, oh, the Enterprise is damaged. It's going to take two days to repair when realistically it's only going to take two hours. Kirk is playing Khan the entire time. The Khan is not even real. And I think that is beautiful. I you know, I, and I've watched this movie's thirty eight years old. That's right, because he knows he's not stranded. He's not stranded. He knows, he knows he's not stranded. But I've watched thirty eight years old, and I, this movie's thirty eight, and I have seen it countless times. And I'm always like, well, he's just mad because he's stuck here now. He's not he's stuck. He's not stuck. He's never been never stuck. dawned on me. Never never thought about that. This. He's playing con because play, 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 he's in he's in control the whole time. I just thought that was neat. I just wanted to pass that along. I just, That's thank awesome. You. Thank just, you, Scotty. Just never, Wayne. never thought of, never thought of that. So, so if, if you've thought of that, if you've, you know, if you've never thought of that, 
again, as you, the more you watch this, the, like I said, again, for me now, as I'm older, the whole, you know, what's your purpose as you're, you become older, uh, it's, it's just a strong message to me. And then at the end where he feels young again, I, I get that. I totally get that. So. Absolutely. That's what's fun. Uncle Henry, where can we find you? I'm, I'm available at newsradio710.com, uh, Facebook, look for The Uncle Henry Show. Uh, you also have the Uncle Henry podcast that you can find on iHeartRadio. Yes. Uh, there's a second Uncle Henry we've discovered. He's a there's two when I've listed when I when I look for him. Uh, uh, Uncle Henry's the you you'll notice by he's got the the icon with his cool hair. That's it. The other one's like a children's guy. So there's there's uh, numerous businesses and other radio people that have used this name. <laughs> Well, that's so, terrible. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, um, I've got my zip codes. You, there you go. <laughs> you also you know have, you you also have uh, a, a weekly um, uh, f- uh, show on Facebook. Yeah, just look. Just go to the Uncle Henry Show Facebook page, and you'll find all that junk. And it's yeah. it's wonderful. And I th- thank you so much for coming. I had a great thank time. Thank you. I love talking about this. This is a lot more fun than what I get to talk about <laughs> most of the time. Uh, we may have you back on for another Star Trek film. This has been great. <laughs> Or I'm any sorry. other film. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and maybe you can another like have us on your uh, on your on your show. That is something that I have already talked about That's with my collaborators. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Oh, we are. We're going to in November do another one of your favorite films. That I mean, because me and Uncle Henry have been friends for years now. Right. And I know another one of your favorite films is Smoking the Bandit. So I don't know if you know this, but every November I raise money for the Movember Foundation. Yes, I do know that. Okay, so um, I get to choose the films for for our November films and I usually pick things that where people have awesome mustaches like you or films that are like manly films so um, I've chosen for November this year Roadhouse and Smokey and the Bandit well a nice choice so we'll have you we'll, we'll see if you're available we'll see if we can get you out I would look Smokey and the Bandit uh, that was the one of the great horrible it's just a great disappointment in life that Star Wars came out the same year <laughs> and beat Smokey and the Bandit would have been the number one movie of that year that had w- it not been for Star Wars. So, ev- so everyone know, will know the answer to the number one film of 1977 when I ask him. Okay. Well, yes. <laughs> so, we will awesome. forget. <laughs> and mean, he'll be here and that he'll was be like, one of my, I told you guys. I that was one you. of my father's favorite films, Smokey and the Bandit. You know, he passed away of prostate cancer, which is why I chose that one. But it's such a great film. And of course... Um, um, shoot. Burt Reynolds. Thank you. <laughs> um, See, our graduate, graduated here. from Florida State. My dad was a big Florida State fan. Don't hold that against him. He's from oh, Florida. I'm not, no, He's I'm from no, Florida. He's no not problem. from here. No <laughs> but uh, he also liked Bama, though. He was a huge Bama fan. Good for him. So, but... Um, Anyway, well, I'm on excited. That, on that note, this is Scotty saying this is our contribution to the multiverse. Go out and make yours. Bye. Bye. Oh, yes.